Welcome to Medical Minefield, the podcast where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Eve Simmons and joining me on the telephone is Joe McFarlane. Hello. We're health journalists who spend our life asking tough questions to experts who really know their stuff, so you don't have to. And this week, we're talking about whether doctors could be wrongly diagnosing people with dementia. As always, we'd like to know what you think. If you have a question or comment, you can tweet us using the hashtag MedicalMindFilled or email us at health at mailonsunday.co.uk. This week's discussion came about thanks to a letter that was sent to the Mail on Sunday by a man named David. He was very concerned about his 92-year-old mother, Marion. She'd started to suffer delusions and paranoia at the beginning of last year. And in June, following a couple of tests that she'd had at the hospital and a brain scan, she was diagnosed with dementia. Now, that seems like a very kind of familiar story to, I'm sure, a lot of listeners, especially with regards to older relatives. But something remarkable happened to Marion. She seemed to make a miraculous recovery. There was this turnaround that David described. All of a sudden, her symptoms just vanished and she went completely back to normal. Now, what was terrible is that in the meantime, after her diagnosis, the family had decided it was best for her to go into a care home. They'd sold her house. They'd sold all her belongings. But the reason David had written to us was because he believes that, in fact, his mother never had dementia in the first place. He wondered how many people might be in the same position and whether doctors knew about this phenomenon. And so we have asked our reporter, Joe McFarlane, who joins me now, to look into this issue. And when she did, fascinatingly, she found that this problem is perhaps more widespread than we think. Joe, can you tell us how the hell doctors are getting this wrong? <laughs> I mean, it seems a very bizarre thing to be getting wrong. I mean, I think we've all seen cases, well, all of us actually have probably had some experience of dementia somewhere in our families. And it's heartbreaking to watch, isn't it? You know, to see a loved one kind of wither away mm. before your eyes, often over many years, it's not only undignified, but it's sort of horrifying. You know, so many of us now, we know we're going to get dementia in our old age. You know, a lot of us fear going down that path. So the idea that you could be told you've got this degenerating condition which leads to a really undignified ending only then to find out actually that no you don't have it at all it's horrifying right but it does seem to be happening now it, it is rare this isn't something that's happening all the time everywhere but it's much more common mm. than we all might think and it's really come from the best of intentions for many, many years now, we've been diagnosing people very late on in their dementia, probably because people are quite scared to come forward to their GP. So they come really quite late on and when their dementia has progressed quite a lot. But what doctors really want to do is to get to people much earlier in the disease because there are now various drugs that they can give only in the early stages, which delay the progression of it. Now, that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? If we could all have a few more years of kind of quality of life before we started degenerating a little bit more. But there has been a slight issue with that because it's harder to diagnose in its early stages and the symptoms can actually be of other things. But people like Marion, so you say the symptoms can be other things. Is that what's happened in this case? Is this why people are being diagnosed with dementia when they don't have it? Because actually there's something else going on? Or, or, you know, why do they just make a miraculous recovery, seemingly? 
It's entirely possible that something else has been going on in Marion's case. The truth is that we don't know. David doesn't know. Marion hasn't been reassessed by specialists at the memory clinic in Bolton where she was first diagnosed. And that would be necessary, really, for us to figure out what's going on here. But there are various things that could have been going on. Obviously, we don't know which one it is. But, for example, Marion suffered three very serious bereavements in the years before she was diagnosed. There are studies that suggest that, you know, long-term grief and stress can lead to these kind of periods of delusions and something that might look a bit like dementia. Depression, for example, and anxiety can lead to these kind of periods of dementia, dementia-like symptoms even. And Marion also had several back-to-back urinary tract infections, which, particularly in elderly people, is known to cause delirium, which is like a temporary disturbance of the brain where you get hallucinations and paranoia and that sort of thing. But we don't know if any of those may have contributed to what Marion went through, but certainly it wasn't full-blown Alzheimer's and vascular dementia, which is what she was diagnosed with. And do we have any idea how common this problem is? You've been looking into it. Has anyone given you a ballpark figure? No, unfortunately, the research simply hasn't been done. And part of that problem is because people are supposed to have a follow-up appointment after they are diagnosed. It should really be every 12 months, according to um, the National Institute for Clinical Excellence, which is the medical watchdog that oversees the guidance on these things. But we do know from the Alzheimer's Society that that doesn't always happen. In fact, I think the numbers went way down during the pandemic as well. I think it used to be about two thirds of people were being followed up every year. Now it's down to about a half. That obviously needs to recover. But it means that many people who may have been given a diagnosis initially are then not being followed up. And if they're not progressing, they're simply continuing believing that they have dementia. But there are experts that are saying this, aren't there? It's, it's not just one person like Marion that we found that, that, oh, yeah. that, that it's a kind of bigger problem than just one person. Yeah, absolutely. There's quite a few experts talking about this now and quite a lot has been written about it in medical journals too. So it, it's not just it's not just Marion's case. There was another very high profile case. I think we're talking to him later on in this podcast, Alex Preston from Leicester, who went eight years believing that he had Alzheimer's before being told it was a mistake and his condition hadn't progressed. I I think the problem is is twofold, though, it's important to point out. There are older people like Marion who may go through sort of a temporary delirium and then recover. And then there are younger people who are being misdiagnosed with symptoms which are mild, but which have later been found to be due to something else completely different too. Mm. You, you mentioned Alex. We actually have Alex on the line right now. Alex Preston was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's disease in 2014, aged just 54. He believed he had the disease for seven years and went on to talk about it in public forums and write about it in blog posts. And in fact, it's all come out that he, he never had the disease at all. Alex, thanks so much for spending some time talking to us today. What's happened to you is is almost unbelievable. Do you have any idea as to how the doctors could have made this mistake? Well, I have seen the scores now that she wrote on this, you know, when when she did the test, um, and she actually did not calculate all the scores correctly. Was that a cognitive, one of the cognitive tests that they Yes, the first test I had done, it was a CAMCOG. The second test was an Addenbrooke score. And after I had the second test done... That's when they. Yeah, that's when she just decided I'd got Alzheimer's disease. And what kind of symptoms were you experiencing at the time? Well, before I was diagnosed, I was being treated by my doctor for low mood and anxiety. 
And at that time, there were problems in my life. My mum was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Work was a lot of pressure on me at work, and I was worrying about my mum all the time. And I used to say to the doctor, I feel I'm, I can't concentrate. That's why I never talked about memory. It was about concentration. I just wasn't focused on everything because I think I was just worrying about everything going on in my life. My doctor, my GP, sent me to see a consultant and that was to rule out any form of dementia. He tested me, he did an Addenbrooke score on me, but he sent me to the memory clinic to have it looked at again. So when after I'd had all that done and then she told me I'd got Alzheimer's, you know, I believed her because I'd been feeling, I'd been struggling with concentration. Why would I doubt a consultant? A cons- you know, she's a qualified consultant. Mm. And then my life became very depressed because all I started thinking about was I didn't want to be here anymore. I didn't want my family to go through all. All, all the, the, the events that were laid in ahead of you. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, obviously, when, you, when you're when you given that diagnosis of Alzheimer's, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I didn't... I had nobody in my family with the disease. I'd never known anybody with dementia. And I never thought for one minute that it would be, they would say I'd got Alzheimer's. But when she said it, I mean, both, not just me, my wife broke down. I had to then tell my mum, who was already, she was dying of cancer, she broke down. And, it, and all of a sudden I realised, well, that's my job finished, you know. And it was like overnight my world just crashed and I've lived in that state for many years. Mm. At what point did you start to think maybe this isn't the right diagnosis? I never thought it. I mean, I was struggling with things. I was sitting in dementia groups. So I was living the park because I was meeting other people just like me. Mm. And, and they got dementia. So I just sat in these groups thinking, this is it. So I'd start to panic about. So, for example, if I was in the house and I put down my cup and could find my cup to you, that's a normal thing that happens, yeah? Mm. To me, it would become a major event. I'd, become, I'd, I'd completely start to worry this was going to get worse. I was getting worse. So everything became a panic. Everything became a panic. And I imagine and it's a bit we, like a self-fulfilling prophecy that, that the more you think that you're not going to be re- able to remember things, the, the, the less you're able to remember. Yeah, yeah, that's dead true. That's dead true. I'm not, that is exactly it. I started to doubt myself on everything. I, I didn't trust myself. Mm. And, and the longer it went on, the worse I got. And this impacted on my wife. I mean, it didn't make me a nice man. I'm never going to say... This made me... I could get really grumpy about things. And, you know, I used to tell my wife to leave me because I didn't want her to go through all this. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But but after she got cancer, you know, I was the one caring for her. But none of the dementia nurses who were coming to see me thought, well, blimey, he's doing okay doing this. Uh, they just let me carry on with that. And then when my wife died, I was left alone. And then, of course, lockdown came, mm. and then nobody was allowed to come see me. And the time that um, you spent alone, did that not make you think, oh, I'm, I'm actually able to fend for myself, and I haven't declined as much as perhaps I would well, have expected? Well, when, I, when, when Susan died, I had um, Google Home Ops all around the house. I had lists on the doors. I had all these things. And the nurses came, and they recommended I get all this stuff and I got it and I was totally reliant on that stuff but you know when lockdown came and then I had nobody reinforcing the diagnosis I didn't realize that I was using it less and less Hmm. it was only friends who who, who would 
come in and see me occasionally, you know what I mean, noticed that you seem to be doing quite well. But, you know, I just thought they were being nice about it. I really did think they were just being nice. So at what point did you get a reassessment? Um, the chemist messed up because of COVID. They messed up all the medication. I had a bit of a breakdown and said, I need to see a nurse. I want to see a nurse because, you know, I can't cope with not getting my medication on time. And they did send a nurse out to me. When this nurse came to see me, she actually said, no, I want you to see a consultant today. So then in January of 2019, uh, I had a video talk with a um, consultant. Mm. They did another Addenbrooke score. And I suddenly scored 90, which was a shock to me. Is that 90 is, uh, just for our listeners who don't know, does 90 means normal? Well, what 90 is, so if somebody doesn't know, anything below 82, you could class it as early onset dementia. If it's got other things, you've got to remember, it's just not just about a score, because if you're depressed, you can get low scores. You know what I mean? There's mm. lots of things that can affect that score. So I got a score of 90, and at that point, he, t- he, he actually suggested... I cut down my medication. Um, and then over a period of two months, I, I ended up coming off the medication. And the minute I came off the medication, I became a different man. I am now 90% better than I was. Do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't worry about forgetting things anymore. But then as time went on, he did a, another scan. That showed there was no evidence of disease after all that time. Then I was sent to do all these cognitive tests with a psychologist which proved I hadn't got my brain was fine. I now realise that that medication, they gave me medication, even though it wasn't prostate, two prostate medications, and that was to help me go toilet. Now, one of the big side effects of the dementia drug, which I now know, is it stops you going to toilet. Mm. I also developed dry eye, where I, I, my eyes were in pain a lot. I used to have, to have all these drops, and my eyesight started to deteriorate. Since I've come off the medication, my prescriptions come right down. Mm. And my and my um, opticians actually said, well, because of the way that drug works, if anything affects your nervous system, it'll affect your eyes. So I'm not a doctor. I don't know for sure whether these people tell me right or wrong. All I know is coming off the medication changed me. Mm. And that's a fact. Mm. That, that's a fact. It's it's a pretty disastrous uh, mistake to make, Alex. Can you see how these kind of mistakes can be made relatively easily, or do you think it's in, it would be incredibly rare? I think it can be made easily, no, because I think those tests are antiquated things. I actually know, and now I can't say his name. Somebody I sat in a dementia group, right in Leicester. He was told in 2016, after two years, you've been in a wheelchair. After six, you'll be dead. He has not got it. Now they're telling him he's got Parkinson's. The rest of the people who's contacted me saying that oh, I've had similar things happen to me. Now, like I say to everybody who's contacted me, like because obviously it's been in the paper and things, I, I'm not here to fight anybody's battles. I'm here to tell people this is what happened to me. I feel really bad because of how it damaged my wife. I, I'm the fortunate one. I've come through this now at the other side. But I live with it in my memory. I tell you how bad it affects me. I can't even look at pictures of my late wife during the time I was diagnosed. I can look at her earlier, but I, I can't look at myself. I went up to 25 stuff. It's just like I've lived, I've, I've lived in a nightmare. Well, mm. well, Alex, thank you so much for sparing some time to talk to us. And I'm glad to hear that you're, thank you very much. you're doing well now. Okay. Brilliant. Well, thank you thank very you. much for asking me. Thank you.
Joe, I know you've spoken to Alex before, but that is an absolutely shocking story. And I'm in disbelief that it could ever happen. Mm, I know it's utterly tragic. And when I was speaking to Alex on the phone originally, when he was in tears at some point talking to me about what he's been through, I mean, I think he's putting a very brave face on it. But can you imagine facing eight years thinking that you're about to degenerate, your brain's about to degenerate at any moment? I mean, he questioned everything he did all the time so if he kind of couldn't find his cup of tea or misplaced his house keys he was convinced this was it that this was a sign that he was going downhill it was awful for him and I know that one of the things he didn't mention which was particularly awful was that his wife died of cancer believing that he was going to die ultimately alone of Alzheimer's which was awful. Terrible. And the thing that I found interesting that he said was that these tests are, well, they seem quite vague and that, you know, you could maybe be having a bad day or didn't get a lot of sleep last night, be a bit hungover and perhaps score like somebody with Alzheimer's. Yeah, I know. I mean, doctors use these as just one tool in the Alzheimer's diagnosis. But yes, if you had a particularly bad score on one of these tests, it would definitely sway the diagnosis towards, well, maybe this is some form of dementia. Um, And if you perform well, then a doctor is going to think, well, this is unlikely to be dementia. It's difficult to say how much reliance is placed on these tests alone, because obviously they will do other things like interview you and interview family members. They'll get physios to look at you. They'll do some brain scans if they're slightly unsure. But this is one of the only tools that we have to diagnose Alzheimer's. And if, as in Alex's case, it's proved unreliable, how many other people has it proved unreliable for? Well, next, I think it's important that we speak to somebody who is in the dementia care world who might be able to shed some light on why and how this is happening. On the line now is Professor June Andrews, who has been a dementia nurse for over 30 years and is also Emeritus Professor of Dementia Studies at the University of Stirling. June, thank you so much for chatting to us about this. We're talking about people who are wrongly diagnosed with dementia. What do you think are the fundamental problems in dementia diagnosis that means this is happening? Well, it doesn't really happen very often, but the difficulty with dementia is that it's a whole bunch of symptoms that can have a wide range of causes. Now, it's only really dementia if the problems and the symptoms are irreversible, And if it's progressive, there are some things that look like dementia which aren't. So someone might have something we call delirium, which is a kind of confusion and fluctuation of consciousness that often happens perhaps in older people in hospital if they have an infection. And that looks just like dementia. But you can work out from the fact that the person was okay before they were admitted to hospital and the fact that it does wear off. You can tell eventually that this was delirium and not dementia. But with delirium, it's something that can go on for six months. So you would perhaps during that time have come to conclusion, particularly if the person had a lot of the kinds of problems that normally give rise to dementia, like being old, being frail, perhaps having had um, diabetes or other metabolic illness, that might make you be pretty sure that the person has dementia, but then it turns out that they don't have dementia at all because they come out the other end. That's really interesting. Do you think you get, you know, an older person, perhaps in their their late 80s or something, possibly recently admitted to hospital, feeling a bit confused? And is there an element of jumping to a conclusion, perhaps? Yes, it certainly is the case that 
older people, particularly very old people, if they are confused, people don't first think of something like the delirium that I just spoke about or even depression. Sometimes being dehydrated, there's a range of metabolic things that can start to look like dementia. But of course, if the person is looked after physically and they come out on the other end, then you know it wasn't dementia. Something that's a bit more confusing is when the person has a change in their cognition so that they have gone downhill, but they don't they don't go any further downhill. So there's definitely something wrong, something that is a reduction in their capacity to think, but it's something that isn't progressive the way dementia usually is. And so that's something where people sometimes say to me, oh, my dad's been diagnosed with dementia. How long has he got? Will he die of this? How long will it take? It's very hard to say how long something like that will go, but it would certainly be very unusual for the person still to be on the go 10 or 15 years later at the same level of functioning. If someone doesn't go downhill, then you start to ask yourself whether it's a very, very unusual dementia or perhaps not dementia at all, but something completely different. Aren't GPs supposed and specialists supposed to rule out, you know, things that possibly are more common or not more common, but but, but less serious causes of these problems, which, as you say, could mimic dementia? Yes, and they do that every day. It's one of the things that we often say to people who are reluctant to go and see the GP when there's a suspicion of dementia. We say it's really good to go and see the GP because they will do blood tests. They will do a variety of, ask you a variety of questions. They'll analyse what medication you're on. And the good news will be that there's something reversible that can bring you back to your previous level of functioning. And so misdiagnosis of dementia is something that is even more complicated than that simple ruling out of the normal reversible causes. Now, the delirium that happens in hospital we're certainly getting better at that, but for a long time, you would have occasional stories where, for example, a very old lady admitted to hospital seemed confused. They decided that it was dementia, and that lady was uh, sent to live in a care home. Now, particularly in the case I'm thinking about, her home was sold to pay for the care home, but six months later, she came out of the delirium and she wanted to go home. But of course, there was no home to go to because it had been dismantled. So something like that is relatively unusual. And the, the commoner causes, the reversible causes, are, are very frequently picked up by GPs. And there's a good reason for going to see the GP. The thing that is more perplexing is the person who's diagnosed with dementia and it has gone on for a long, long time, but there hasn't been the expected continued reduction in their capacity to think and do things. And that's where sometimes people start to worry about whether it's a functional neurological disorder. Uh, functional neurological disorder is sometimes difficult to explain, but if you can imagine your computer, it can have two things wrong with it. The hardware can be broken or the software, that's the programming, can be broken. And in dementia, it's a bit like a hardware problem because a bit of your brain is broken. It's been destroyed by Alzheimer's disease or by a stroke. And that's a hardware problem in your brain, something that can't be fixed. But a software problem is when your brain stops working the way it should, a bit like a program that you might uh, have to take down and reinstall if you're thinking about that computer analogy. But functional neurological disorder is really, really hard to diagnose.
Mm. And I also want to ask you about the scans that may or may not be carried out after somebody scores highly on on one of the dementia cognitive tests. As I understand it, they're not very reliable because that you know it may be the case that the brain of somebody with dementia doesn't actually show any damage early on and also you know you can have a brain that shows damage and that person doesn't have dementia. Is it the case that some patients are then diagnosed almost purely off off the the result of the cognitive test because it's known that the brain scans aren't very reliable? Well, it certainly is the case that some people are diagnosed without a scan. And I think that's probably the sort of thing that would happen where the clinical signs of dementia are so absolutely clear and where perhaps asking the person to have a scan would be really uncomfortable. If you've got someone who's confused and anxious and paranoid and you know from all the other symptoms round about that this person almost certainly has dementia, to ask them to lie still and put their head in a big noisy machine like a washing machine is maybe asking rather a lot of them and being rather stressful. So there are some circumstances in which it would be possible to make a diagnosis without a scan and that would be okay. But if you're talking about the full diagnosis that is made in a memory clinic, you'll find that it's not just scans and blood tests, but it would start, first of all, with the history. There'd be a full physical examination to rule out and to you know, have a second go, if the GP's already had a go, to have a second go at ruling out any of those underlying causes that are reversible. There would be the neurological testing, the psychological testing, but it would be more sophisticated than the ones that you might have had at the GP. And then there may be scans on top of that. And in the case of people who have been falsely diagnosed with dementia, would it maybe in some cases be because, or is it more likely that it's because a specialist or a GP has made a diagnosis based purely off the results of a cognitive test that, you know, perhaps somebody was having a bad day or a period of depression, as you said, and and hadn't performed very well on the tests and, and all of a sudden they're diagnosed with the disease? Myself, I haven't seen anybody who's been misdiagnosed with dementia because of carelessness on the part of the clinicians. The point is that diagnosing dementia is so complicated, it's very often done over a long period of time. So when you have some worries and you go to see your GP and they may ask you some questions, they will not pay too much attention to your score on that day, but they'll see you again in three, six months' time to see whether the score is going down because it's the progressive nature of the problem. And so the diagnosis is something that takes place over a long period of time. So I haven't myself had any experience of somehow or other a a careless diagnosis of dementia. It's only ever been where something has been so persuasively looking like it really, really was dementia, that there's something strange about the fact that the person doesn't follow the usual trajectory. Even though every person with dementia is different, the one thing you can usually expect is that they will go downhill over a period of time. Fascinating. Well, Professor June Andrews, thank you so much for spending time talking to us today. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, so this isn't a case of GPs just saying you've done badly on a test, therefore you've got dementia. No, um, and I think that what it proves is that diagnosing any form of dementia, including Alzheimer's, is not a straightforward art. And there are lots of things to take into account. And doctors aren't always going to get it right. It seems that no diagnosis is going to be 100 percent. I mean, that's incredibly worrying. And, and you know, it makes you think that it could it could really happen to any of us. Like especially if we um, 
start getting forgetful at the age of 55 or something, you know, who, what's to say that we couldn't be told that potentially we have dementia if we're just having a bad day? Yeah, yeah. and I'm fascinated by this idea of functional neurological disorder that, you know, you can have some sort of uh, software problem that means that you're more likely to be forgetful and get very confused, but it's not dementia, which I'm sure will come as a good news to many people who feel that they are losing the plot somewhat with, with various life events, etc. Yeah, and I mean, actually, one of the really interesting things that I've come across in looking at this this week is um, something that various different people have told me, which is that there are people who have become ambassadors for people living with dementia, who have maybe written books about dementia, who appear at conferences to talk about living with dementia, who even talk to doctors about what it's like to live with dementia, who may not actually have dementia. That is insane. Not deteriorated. And There's a problem there, isn't there? Because, first of all, that person is living their life as somebody who believes that they have dementia. But secondly, it gives really false hope to all those families of patients living with dementia who are deteriorating, who can't even begin to hope to live a life like that. And I guess also, naturally, these are going to be the people who are going to be selected to be on the stages and give the talks because they're eloquent, you know, they can talk very well about their condition, they don't appear Mm -hmm. to be confused and therefore they're engaging with an audience. Absolutely, yes. And interestingly, one of the studies I looked at that has been looking specifically at functional cognitive disorder One of the uh, things that they tell doctors to look out for in memory clinics, which distinguish people with functional cognitive disorder as opposed to dementia, is those people who come into clinics and talk very eloquently about their condition and can recall the, the periods where they've lost a bit of memory. They get very frustrated about the kind of moments that we might consider trivial moments of forgetfulness, but they get very worked up about them. Um, They have this sort of memory perfectionism is what it's called. Um, They believe that they should have this perfect memory and they don't. So it's it's all rather interesting. If you can talk well and live a relatively good life with dementia, then the fact is you probably don't have dementia. Wow. Well, on that note, that's all we have time for this week. You can find all the latest health news in this weekend's The Mail on Sunday and visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all of our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. And follow us on Twitter by searching at mailplus. We'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you then. Goodbye.